any novice developer, you're keen and eager to learn from the best in the trade. Most would look to builders and developers who have the tools like themselves. Others broaden their angle to look at every expert who helped their development become a success. But it all has to come off a page before it comes out of the ground. So why not get the page right by talking to a town planner and get to know the tricks of the trade when it comes to town planning. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your host is Sue Langda. Real Estate Right is consistently in the Australian Top 40 how-to podcasts on Apple Podcasts, which means we are an amazing opportunity to advertise your business to get closer to those who are buying, selling, renting and investing and help them on their journey. We have a whole lot of real estate agents who listen as well, gaining new insights into the industry that they work. So advertising with us connects you with the right target market. If you like to advertise on our Real Estate Right podcast, contact Lisa on 5977-889 to find out more. David Klingberg has over 30 years experience in the planning and the design industry. David specializes in bringing together teams and managing industry leaders to develop outstanding outcomes in town planning, urban development and urban design. David has worked on significant projects nationally and internationally for state and local governments, as well as the private sector. These include land use strategies and growth area planning, mixed use and residential master planning, urban regeneration, town centre revitalisation studies and initiatives, state and local government planning policy development and urban design advice. Wow. So David is so driven to produce great planning and urban design outcomes, education and training. He regularly presents at conferences both in Australia and Asia and teaches at universities and for the Planning Institute of Australia. He's definitely the person we need to talk to. Welcome, David. Thanks for coming on to our podcast. How are you? I'm extremely well. Thank you, Sue, and thank you for having me. Thanks for coming in. Now, we have a listener, 25-year-old Peter. He has just made it big inheriting some money from his late grandfather. He has just finished his carpentry apprentice and he sees that this is his opportunity to get into developing. Mm -hmm. So let's give Peter some tricks of the trade to help him achieve his goal. So what would you first suggest for him? Well, he wants to get into the development industry? Yes. Okay. And he wants to be a developer? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, The first thing I would do is to, in actual fact... To go and get some training and understand. So he's car- finished his carpentry apprentice. Yep. yep. So what's the what's the training we need to get? You need to understand. You need to, need to start to understand the development industry. You need okay. to understand um, what makes it tick in terms of all the different people involved in it. Because yep. uh, whilst I don't necessarily like this phrase. Um, because not everything in life is that complex. The development industry is complex. It is. Um, so uh, I would start to build a team around mm-hmm. me of, and being in the development industry, he would have already, he will have known builders. Yeah. He will have known um, people who can potentially, uh, he can joint venture with some of his mates. Mm-hmm. Uh, might have some money so they want to invest. It's electrician mates, it's plumbing mates, exactly. it's plastering mates, exactly. landscaper mates. Good question, really, because um, I would then, knowing who he's going to work with, yeah, I would then try to understand what type of development he's going to do. Okay. Because it's actually very broad. It is very broad. Um, so as, <clears throat> I suppose when you, you first start out, you probably go for that, residential side-by-side kind of or, you know, two-unit site thing, wouldn't you? Yeah. As you well, that's, start out. that's where a lot of my clients uh, start. Mm. Um, I've got a client at the moment that is doing a lot of small residential development. When mm-hmm. I say small, 
she's purchasing single dwellings mm-hmm. on a relatively large lot. Yeah. And then she's she's then doing one of two plays. She's keeping the existing dwelling. Yeah. Subdividing off the rear block if yeah. she can, if the planning scheme allows for it. Yeah. And then potentially building on that. So yeah. the play she's doing is purchasing a block. Yes. Renovating the existing, creating a second block, and then either selling the existing house on its own new smaller block and the block to the rear, and selling the vacant block to the rear. Yeah. Or on title. Just with its own title. Yeah. Well, sorry. She's creating two titles. Yeah, she's separated them. Yeah. Or she is getting plans and permits for a second dwelling. Yeah. to the rear on that block to the rear. Okay? okay. But to your point previously, from there she's done a, quite a lot of those and yes. is doing a lot of those and I think we're on our third or fourth yeah. approval for her, um, primarily getting plans and permits for renovating the existing at the front, creating separate blocks at the back and getting permits yeah. for new dwellings. Yes. Leaving the option open for her to build the dwellings after that or not. Yeah. Right? But I know that she's now moving on to thoughts about bigger developments. Because she's feeling a bit more confident in herself. Absolutely. And also <clears throat> she's creating the cash flow yeah. to enable that to happen. Yeah. Um, one of the secrets that she, I think, she's pretty clever. She's... Yeah. Um, like most things in life, I think it's worthwhile, and she's proven this. She's gone and got a lot of coaching on this. Okay. And uh, I know for a fact that she's touched base with a number of different coaching organisations that teach novices, for want of a better term, yeah. how to go about doing this stuff because it is complex. Yeah. Okay. Now explain to us your fab ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the question. I, I am very excited about the fab development ecosystem. I call it the fab development ecosystem. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so when I started this company five years ago, um, as a town planner and urban designer, one of the things I wanted to do and I, it was was to make sure that I was surrounding myself with great people. Yeah. Um, also from a marketing perspective, I'll call it that, or a lead generation perspective for the business, I wanted to get to know people in the development industry. We talked previously about how complex it is. Yeah. And there are many people, many players required to transition or move a project from its initial inception through to the building and the selling of the buildings, Mm. right? So I set up a database and started calling people within the development industry um, that are involved from the feasibility stage Mm -hmm. to the approval stage and then on to the development stage and that's where fab, oh, sorry, building stage and that's where fab comes from, Ah, right? Feasibility. Feasibility, approvals and building. Yeah. So I simply, what we simply do is I have people arranging calls for me every week and I talk to people that are involved in feasibility, approvals and building and Mm -hmm. we put them into our uh, database. Yes. Um, I learn about them. Um, by calling them and I ask them a series of questions and I get to know them. Yeah. And from there we are able to use those contacts to help our clients achieve their development goals. Nice. And then hopefully also um, the people that we talk to and we're able to recommend to our clients when they uh, when, when we provide a lead for them, mm. their businesses benefit and yeah. so everyone benefits. I'm a big believer in... A rising tide lifts all ships, something yeah. like that. I, I think that's a saying anyway. There's something like that anyway. That, that sounds pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, feasibility, approvals, building, yeah. creating a database so we can recommend people so people can be successful in the work they do. Nice. That's it. Sounds good. Okay, now getting back to Peter, we sort of talked about which friends he should get as like helpful with the investors. But um, – what other profession, business professionals, not his trading mates, should uh, Peter create relationships with to develop his career in property development? Yeah, good question. Well, if you use the uh, FAB as a, as a sorting mechanism, yes. call it that, 
So feasibility approvals building. On the feasibility side, you might want to talk to a town planner yeah. early on to understand whether or not the planning scheme is going to allow you to do what you want to do. And mm-hmm. there's plenty of rules and layers of rules in the planning mm-hmm. scheme that the, the novice developer won't know where to look, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. can be complex or, in actual face, fact, in some cases, he, a little bit hidden So mm. some of the rules. Um, some councils have sort of in-the-draw stuff that they bring out if they want to tell you no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very early on, also, talk to an architect. A lot of people go to architects first. Of course, being a town planner, I would always say come to a town planner first. Mm-hmm. Um Definitely. So the design side of things. But back on feasibility, I'd also be talking, I'd be very early on talking to people who understand the financial side of it. Mm. Not just in terms, both in terms of how much money you're actually going to need, because it's probably how much cash you're going to need, how much borrowings you're going to need, but also um, the uh, someone who can help you in order to understand that, break down all of the layers of costings mm-hmm. over time. So that's a feasibility stage. So yeah. people just who know numbers. Yeah, accountants. Um, accountants, um, mortgage brokers yeah. to let you know your borrowing capacity. Yeah. Uh, other people I'd surround myself with, not necessarily professionals, but joint venture partners. Mm. So in any deal, any property deal, you – going to want to know where's where's the money coming from yeah. or um, uh, where other expertise is coming from. Yes. Right? So sometimes what you can do is create a consortium of people uh, like the money people, so mm. that could be a, a silent partner, so to speak, who's just bringing in some cash to yes. help you, but also um, uh, other consultants that may be interested in being part of the deal uh, in lieu of fees early on, for yeah. example, right? So then under the A stage, under your approvals, you're definitely going to need your town planner, yes. but you're also going to need to surround yourself with other uh, consultants like your arborist, but mm-hmm. for example, if it's a more complex project, traffic consultants. Yeah. Um, so that's under your approval stage. Yeah. See, when I write copy, I always write it. So, you know, talk about level land, that there's – trees around the edges, uh, you know, just to sort of show that it's a should be easier than your standard. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you don't want trees in the middle of the block. No. No. And, and you know, you don't want uh, narrow frontages because no. you might not be able to get your second crossover if that's what you yeah. need. Right? Well, I always talk about wide, yeah, wide yeah, frontages. Yeah, wide frontages. Is... Anything, anything over, well, 15.8, I think. Well, yeah, yeah, that's a good rule of thumb. If you've got yeah. 20, that you know you're going to be able to do something yeah. with that. Um, and then on the building side, so feasibility, approvals, mm. building, your builders, yes. obviously. Um, not just your builders, though, but the people who are going to connect your property. So if you're doing a subdivision, uh, part of your conditions of approval to, to once you've got the approval from council, you need to get those plans certified mm. so that they can then get lodged at the title's office so you can then get your titles yeah. so that you can then actually sell it. Yes. Right? Um, part of the conditions of approval for the subdivision approval will always be some form of connection yes. to, the, uh, to the new block. Yeah. Right? So... Under building, you're not just building the building, you're building the infrastructure. Yes. Okay. Um, so, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's some people you need. There's your people. There's, yeah, there's, there's people. people. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. When is it better to suss out the neighbours? Before planning a development would be best to do it. Before you actually buy the property? Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on – it. short answer would be yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, sometimes you know too much, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and it depends on your strategy. Yeah. Right. So, can I give you a nuanced answer? Yeah. 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 Okay. That's what we so examples. Ideally, yeah. uh, everyone's on board. Uh, if In if you yeah they, they're all yeah they're all at peace or zen, <laughs> and uh, they're not going to care less what you're doing next yeah. door, right? Uh, and maybe if you own the land and then you're thinking of putting something behind your existing house and mm. it's your retirement play, then uh, – and so you've lived there for years and you know that your neighbour mm. 
isn't going to yeah. mind too much, yeah, go and let them know. In other cases where uh, you know you're going to be doing something which is pushing the envelope, so to speak, it's a little bit bigger, you know the neighbours are a little bit crazy or militant, mm. um, your strategy might actually be, hey, let's check it out with council first, yeah. see what they think, okay, and then go and approach the neighbours, mm. right? So you know that you've got the council on side, for example. Yes. Right, and you know that potentially the neighbours might be a bit antsy, but at the end of the day, even if they put in some objections, yes. you're fulfilling all the obligations of the planning scheme, and so the objections will be dealt with through the planning process. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, access. Yeah, yeah. I I did a property once where this this poor guy. So we're talking Bentley. Mm-hmm. There's a house on the corner that was heritage listed, mm-hmm. okay, and then a developer's come along and wanted house one, two, three, four mm-hmm. A, four B, and yep. five. Yep. Okay. Four mm. B objected. He, like he was going to pay big bucks for all these five properties, six properties. So four B was p- part of the development. No, 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 no. The developer wanted to buy essentially six properties. Yes. A one, one, two, three, happy to go with it. Five was happy to go with it. Four A was happy to go with it. Four B wasn't. Right. Yeah. And so the developer's going too hard here. I'll just do one, Please. two, or three. Yeah, okay. Yep. Poor number five mm. was like, now, and he's next door to the Heritage Building. Yeah. So he can't do joint forces with anybody. Mm. And the worst thing is 4B is going to be overshadowed because we're talking GR3 mm. zones where they've got mm. three, four stories going. And it's like, why would you do that? <laughs> why would you let yourself get surrounded by development? Yeah, like that. And did it happen? Did that well, happen? I think, well, one, two, three, four stories up. Mm. Behind them, four stories up. Mm. And then... Poor little number five here who really, really wanted to be part of the big development. Missed out. Missed out. Yeah. Mm. And, and number four, I missed out too. But, you know, we got the cranky old 4B <laughs> neighbour. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a, I'm not, I think it's Monash, I think Monash University. It's still there. There's like it's surround. There's a house in yeah. the middle. Of it all. Of it all. Mm. And it's surrounded by university buildings. Yeah. And they're going on. They just want to. Stay here. Stay here. In the middle of a car park now. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, yeah, so. These uh, things happen. Yeah. Very yeah. rare though. I mean, yeah. it, you know, things will change eventually. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Somebody might put a light to the heritage listed home or something. Maybe. I'm not suggesting that. Not su- we're not suggesting anything. <laughs> no, we're not suggesting we're not anything. suggesting either. chopping down trees or burning down buildings. No, so. we're not. No. How often can council knock back your plans? Uh, good question. Good question. They can really only refuse an application once if that's if that's what yeah. we're talking about. When you say you use the term knock back. Yeah. Right? So they can refuse an application, right? Once. Well, yeah. But then you can change those plans. Well, okay. So, yeah. it's a, again, it depends on what, what you mean by knock back. So. Okay. You know, you can put in a concept plan to council for a pre-application meeting and they yeah. can say that's rubbish. I mean, if you call that knocking it back, I don't okay. know. Right? Yeah. Once you've lodged, officially lodged the application. Yeah. So you just have to remember that Peter's no idea about anything. Yeah, 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 sure. So Peter's got, um, yeah, he, I'm using kind of language that he may use, but he's like, yeah, as you said, once. Yeah, they can, they can, once once you've lodged an application, yeah. they they you will get to a point where they will refuse it or approve it. Yeah. Right? Um, but along that journey, there will be ways of potentially amending it. So if it's looking like it's going to get refused, you could get the opportunity to amend the plan so that ultimately you get an approval. Okay. But that's during that process of once you've lodged the application, the okay. approvals process. Okay. Once they've refused it, yeah. you'll then have the right to take the application to VCAT. Okay. 
and challenge the decision. Yes. In most cases. Okay. Um, but like I said, there's there are touch points along the way during the approvals process once in council that mm. means you could there will be opportunities yeah. to amend the plans and uh, and seek an approval. Okay. All right. Yeah. And but what we try and do at Smart Planning Design because you're smart because we're smart uh, and we've built this into our process. We yeah. we strongly recommend taking a con a, a concept to council very early on, yeah. like at the start of the project, um, for what they call a pre-application meeting. Okay. And councils are now set up to a, to to do that. Mm. So it's very rare. Well, certainly I can't think of a case in our lifetime, mm. in the last five years, this company's lifetime, yeah. where we haven't taken a, a concept to council for a pre-application meeting and we ask very specific questions yes. to the council about we ask. So we'll, the concept plan will either be drawn by us yes. or drawn by, by a building designer or an architect mm-hmm. uh, and we'll... we'll we will then set up, we'll send that to council, we'll set up a meeting and we'll ask, what do you think of the design? Yeah. How does it go against, you know, reviewing it against the planning scene? We think it's fine. What do you think? Yeah. Um, we'll ask how long put, will the application the take? Out. Yeah. yeah. Um, who who are the consultants we'll need, we, we will need mm-hmm. uh, to write reports? Because it, any application will need at least, at least just, at least one other consultant mm-hmm. or collab- what we call collaborator, mm-hmm. um, i.e. the designer. Yeah. But though it could very well need traffic consultant, mm. landscape architect, arborist, um, waste management consultant, ESD consultant. So the, the team quickly ESD. builds uh, environmental sustainable oh, okay. design. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of the, so we ask the council, we say, oh, which consultants will you need to get reports from? Yeah. Sometimes they'll give us the list as long as your arm. Yeah. Sometimes they'll surprise us and I'll say, oh, do you think we need an arborist on this? And they'll say, oh, no, we'll deal with that in-house. That'll okay. be fine, right? So it's very, we get a very clear answer to what's required. Yeah. We'll, like I said, we'll ask about timeframes. We'll ask whether or not it will be handled under delegation, mm-hmm. i.e. by the council planners. Mm-hmm or whether or not the full council will need to see it or some other delegated authority in council. And council, different councils have different trigger points for whether or not it's going to go to a full council or handled under delegation. And it normally revolves around how many objections it gets. Yep. Right? So some councils will say, we can handle this application under delegation as long as you only get three or less Objections. objections from neighbours. From neighbours. Yeah, yeah. And some will say, "Oh, our threshold is ten objections." Okay. Right? So they'll have different council and different council policies. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so there are ways of uh, making sure you don't get a refusal. Yeah. So in saying that, how often can it get approved the first time? No question. Uh, well, again, it's a nuanced answer. So, but. <laughs> If you if you do everything they want, yeah, right, um, then all the time, right, all the time. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but if you want to so called push the envelope, um, make it because because the planning scheme is really set up to control development. Yes. Right. It's set up to control land users. It's set up to control built form. Yeah. It's set up to control off-site and on-site amenity impacts, i.e. overshadowing, overlooking, right? Um, And there are rules within the planning scheme that make sure those things are controlled, Mm. right? As soon as you start pushing the boundaries, uh, and and just sort of as an aside but related, some of those things are performance-based, right? So some of those things will say um, you need to... Correct me, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. I'll, I might butcher this a little bit. But yeah. for example, it might say that uh, that, well, that the, the objective is to achieve good quality light yeah. 
mm. within rooms or the objective is to achieve good quality light in people's backyards. Yes. Or the objective is a better one is to adhere to local character. Okay. Right, which is a, a yeah. very subjective thing. Yes. Right. So you could imagine in some cases when the rule when the application is being assessed against the rules, yeah. it's very nuanced. Yeah. Right. And so you, you have to so some things you'll tick the boxes and there's no argument. Yeah. Other things you'll go, oh, I think it does comply with the character. It does yeah. you know, it looks like that building next door. Whereas council, if they does. really don't want it to occur, they'll go, Oh yeah, I can see how you think that, but you're wrong. Yeah. And uh, we're gonna refuse it. Mm. Okay, so um, that's why the pre application meeting is really important. Yeah. Because you're going to start to get a feel for what they're going to want to like and see. Yeah. And then by the time you officially lodge the application, you should have either formed a view about if you're going to listen to that mm. or if you're going to push it a bit. Now, the reason why you're going to push it a bit is typically, from a development perspective, to increase your yield, yeah. to get more bang for your buck, yeah. right? Yeah. I actually went to a property the other day in... Cranbourne, and they said that they were the first house in the block. Like we're talking, looking out the back window of the bedroom, mm. <clears throat> and it was a sea of roofs. Yeah, right. Mm. Mm. And he had this massive window, and I'm like, well, how come you don't get in trouble for overlooking? Oh, because we were the first to look at yeah. it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I wouldn't have wanted to be looking at the sea of roofs. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. It is It is very... Um... You know, some of this stuff's very cultural, it right? Is. So, because I've worked in the UK as a urban designer and planner, and like yeah. in the UK, they don't care about people overlooking backyards, yeah, like because that. of the density, right? Yes. And also, you know, since since the industrial revolution, when people started living next door to each yeah. other, people have always looked in people's backyards. Yeah, so the so what would get an approval there would never get an approval here. Mm. Right. So yeah, you've really and and um our planning scheme is very it's 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 purported to be performance based a lot yeah. of it, but it's not really. Yeah. Um and so there are a lot of rules that um you need to comply with. Yeah. In order to get your approval. But yeah. there are some things like urban character which uh, more subjective. Mm. See, I find English people love single-level homes here because they were so stuck in getting multi-level homes mm. over there. Also, their more recent ones are very small. Oh, I can Volume house, house builders, yeah. they're tiny. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> we will have a short break and come back with more from David Klingberg from Smart Planning and Design, where he will talk to us about what helps tick the boxes for council when you submit your development plans and what roles each part plays to get your approval. You're listening to Real Estate Right, and we are talking to the director and principal of Smart Planning and Design, David Klingberg, about the tricks of the trade when it comes to town planning. So, David, now we've been talking about our friend Peter here. He wants to know what other councils looking for. Is there anything that is really specific, or do you just go to those pre-approval meetings and come up with something then? Yeah, look, that's a great question. Um, what are they looking for? It, it's what they're looking for, what they're not looking for as well, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So um, the first thing they're looking for, and they do appreciate it, I think, is treating them as a partner. Yes. In a way. Yeah. Right? And so um, certainly very early on in the relationship, you should be treating everybody with respect. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, asking them to help you. Um, Achieve your development goals. Yeah. Right. So, um, befriend them. Befriend them. Early dialogue, collaboration. Yeah. When we, I actually advise my clients early on, and we do this in house, and yeah. also when we're collaborating with architects and designers, the first plans we like to put in are very sketchy. Yes. So the council isn't thinking the whole things of you know, done and dusted, this is what we want, yeah. we're not going to have a chat to you about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that works, but I think it does a little bit from what I can tell. Well, yeah, if, if, if you keep doing it, it kind of means it does work. Yeah. 
Well, um, you know, like it, it, you can understand from the council perspective. It's like, okay, look, this is our little concept idea. Yeah. You know, this is what we ask what them. What we're putting together. What do you reckon? What do you reckon? Yeah. What do you, what's going to trip us up? Yeah. You know. Oh, you know, I don't really like that little veranda out there. I think you'd be too far forward from the street. Exactly. You know, all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, you need to have the. Okay, fine. We'll set it back. I sometimes also. I sometimes stalk them. Oh, really? Yeah, in a nice way. Yeah. I like to know who I'm dealing with. So if yeah. I know I've got a meeting coming up with a council planner, I look them up on LinkedIn and see like, what they do. Facebook, see. <laughs> I see spend the, too much time on that. See but... to a, <laughs> that's right. a certain type of beer. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Oh, Mary, I see you're into bodybuilding. That's, oh, yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You... Or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. Probably a bad example. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so, you know. Enable early dialogue and collaboration. Yeah. Uh, have your pre-app meeting. Be open to suggestions. Yeah. Um, learn what's not going to tick the boxes, right? Mm. Um, I had a meeting the other day and this particular council was just did not want to see uh, sheer walls on a driveway, oh. right, for a second level. Like yeah. they, they, they were just saying every building we basically want in this council, uh, if it's two stories, I want the upper story set back a little bit. Oh, okay. So, okay, and I go. So not Georgian style work, like one. Well, exactly. Yeah, it's like there are plenty of people on the planet that live with with two stories. It's the same distance from the boundary as <laughs> yeah. the ground floor, but apparently not here. So, yeah. um, hey, we'll listen to that. Yeah. If we okay. can make it work, let's do that. Yeah. Um, but some very pragmatic things have good quality plans with all the relevant information. Yeah. Required by council, not just required by council. Um. Take some ownership. If you're reviewing your plans, make sure your designers put a scale bar on it, oh. the street name's spelt correctly, oh, those... or indeed there's a street name on the plans. Oh, uh, yeah. that there's would, a, there's that a North be... Point. Yeah. Um, I can imagine that would frustrate them, council. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, yeah. Yeah, I won't comment too much, but these things happen, they right? They do happen, yeah. Um, North Point, really important because a lot of the rules I was talking about, mm. the clauses in the scheme rely on understanding where North is mm. so that there can be an assessment, although this is covered off by other things, there can be an assessment about overshadowing, overlooking sunlight to mm. open spaces, sunlight to north or north-facing yeah. um, internal spaces, that sort of stuff. And is that why they have like... Usually your neighbours' boundaries, and they've got like which trees they've got yeah. sort of floating up and exactly. Well, so. that's another whole thing. Like so, yeah. perfect location of neighbours' trees because mm. uh, more and more, I, I think this is thing something that's happened more and more. The impact of the development on the neighbours' trees has to be assessed mm. now, right? In case their roots are going into exactly. your land. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, good quality plans. Um, good quality supplementary reports. I said before, there's a heap of consultants that's normally yeah. required. They're, the way of, they typically convey their information is they provide reports. Mm. So you want someone who's written a good quality report. Yeah. And this has happened in the past where uh, your arborist might have written a report that actually doesn't help you. Oh. Okay. So you might want to knock that tree down. And you yeah. want the arborist to say it can go, oh. and their report might actually say, "Oh, no, that tree should stay." Yeah, it's in which case you've got a decision to make about whether or not you keep yeah. the arborist, right? Yeah, um, maybe get another arborist. Yeah, involved. maybe. Arborist. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bob. <laughs> so, poor Bob. Um, Bob, do you mind changing the report? <laughs> not that that happens. No, that doesn't no, happen. Of course not. Um, I'll have to tell you about the story I did the other mm. place in Hyatt that I did. And developer finished the job. The council put the second crossover, or the second crossover had gone in for a side by side development. Mm -hmm. And then the council's gone past and gone, oh, the tree on the nature strip's too close to the new. Mm. Can you pay us eight grand to remove yeah, it? Yeah, he did. Mm. Yeah. He goes, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'll get it cut down. You know, he got a quote, it was 800 bucks. He goes, no, no, that's. That's of value to the council. It is of value to the council. We've it's, valued it at eight thousand dollars. Well, they, I think they said it was like four or five grand or something like yeah. that. Plus, you need to replace it with a tree of similar value, but yes. only a meter across, you know, further that way, yeah. and that's going to cost you a thousand bucks. So, then, what? How did it get to that point? It had been through planning and approved. The I went through the property 
as a finished product. Yes. So it had clearly been through planning and approved. Yeah. Right. So that what's happened there yeah. is that when it was being when it was in the system in council getting going through the planning approvals process, yeah. someone has overseen. Well, hasn't referred it to the rel- all of the relevant um, consultants. Co- well, no, departments within Rappers, council, yeah. right? Um, and that happens a lot. Mm. So you you <clears throat> normally it's picked up right until yeah. like right at the very last. There's always a senior planner that reviews mm-hmm. stuff, and they'll say to the junior planner who's written the report recommending approval and has said to the client the whole way through, "This is going to be okay." Yeah said, oh, have you checked with engineering that yeah. this or this or the gardens department or whatever, yeah. that this tree can go? Yeah. And they go, oh, shit, no, I haven't done that. Mm. Better do that. Mm. And then you'll get the phone call that says, oh, you know how I said that thing's going to get approved? Well, actually, you've got to get rid of the tree. Yeah. Your client won't mind paying an extra 10 grand to get rid of the tree, will they? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Um, Sorry. Well, the reason why it came to my attention was that in the 15, 20 minutes I was at the property, the tree loppers turned up. I've gone into the property, come back out, tree's gone, tree loppers are gone, and he's gone. That just cost me eight grand. Mm. For 20 minutes work. Mm. Mm. And he'd arranged the tree loppers. No. No, he, he wanted to put his own tree loppers in. There. Oh, they the, did it. The council and the council did. said, "No, it's our tree. <laughs> we need to do it through our people." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So mm. it's a serious matter. It actually is. It's yeah. it's um, it really is serious because I think if you if you I say this to people that if you add up. Unexpected all of the p- things. unexpected things that happen in these little developments all yeah. across, all around Australia, right? Mm. You add up that eight grand or that five grand or even that you know even that two grand, right? That mm. little thing that wasn't checked off properly. Yeah. That vol- the amount of money that is is being generated wasted, right? Yeah. You know, like it, it's serious stuff, and it and it adds to the cost for development, Absolutely. and therefore, and you know, and then the owners or the developers want to. Make that back in the yeah. So we're all paying price. for it at the end of the day. We are. And I so just to finish off, um, high quality. Uh, get to know your planners. I spoke yeah. about that before. And of course, hire a great town planning consultancy for a really good town planning report. That's a good idea. And management of the team. Yes. Yeah. Do Sounds that. Like a great idea. Yeah. What can be a turn off Abuse, for council? Abusive applicants. Oh. Yeah. Don't yell at the planners. Okay. Until absolutely necessary. <laughs> Keep calm, and even cool, if, and yeah, yeah, at all times. One must try. It's called being a duck. Have you heard about the no. idea of being a duck? I like it. Okay. Already. Okay. <laughs> a duck is quite, you know, above water, cool, calm. Oh, yes. And then underneath, pepper like hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Be like a duck. Be like a duck. Um, there, are, there are times to be forthright, mm. you know, and I think we – you know, I'm still learning. Um, you think you can be forthright when the common sense prevails? Well, yeah, you need to be armed with that. Don't yeah. don't be yeah. So be be respectful at all times. I think. Yeah. Um, they don't like and and so this is a, probably a useful information. Yeah. Um, set the parameters with the client. You don't want yeah. the client ringing up the council. This has happened with me. Mm. The client has gone and rung up the council and abused them, while you're you've tried to set up a nice relationship with them, oh. right? And yeah. so then you'll ring up the planner and as a matter of course for something else as yeah. part of the application. You say, "I've just got to," and they'll tell you, "I've just got a, this really abusive call from your client." Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, you know, in the, the in the back of your mind, you go, "Well, that's oh. because you're being a bit of a whatever." Yeah, I see why they've got upset, but but it ain't gonna. Help yeah. your cause. No. At the end of the day, as a consultant, as an applicant, your job, and this is something really important to remember, yeah. your job is to help the planners at council approve your development. Yeah. Your job is to help them see that your development is something that is worth approving. Yeah. 
Okay. So basically so, your job is to, you know, the council has an idea of how they want the streetscapes. Mm. And you need to convince, convince them, them that yours fits, fits in with that. Yes. And whatever model. you do to help them get to that point. And when I say to help them, the point is the planner you're dealing with on a day-by-day day day basis yeah. is reporting to someone. Yeah. Okay. So your job is to help them report up the line to t- recommend up the line that this thing get approved. Yeah. Right. Now, the up the line can be just their more senior manager. Mm-hmm. And then from there, the up the line is the council, mm. the council laws, ultimately. Yeah. Now, the council laws may have delegated authority back down. Yeah. But the point is, your initial job is to get the person who's writing the report to agree with you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, it's a nuanced and thing, but it's really important to, to understand. Yeah, you need to know the, the so that's why behind it. That, that's why, uh, and I, I say this to people as well. If you have an art, if your designer has spelt the name, hasn't put the north on the north one, hasn't got a yeah. hasn't got a scale, hasn't got a hasn't got the names right, hasn't got dimensions yeah. from the, and they've got a list of. I do have some. I have a lot of sympathy from council town planners. Yeah. I used to do that job, right? Yes. They've got forty or sixty applications to deal with, yeah. and they they finally get to yours, yeah. right? After three weeks of reviewing, and they open the plans and they can't read the plans. Where's your application going to end up? Yeah, the, the bottom of the line, bottom of the pile again, right? Bin on Maybe in the bin, <laughs> right? So your job is to help them. Yeah. Right. That's that's the starting point. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Now. Contentious question: Which councils can be easier to deal with? Ah, which councils can be easier to deal with? I'm not going to tell you. Oh. I'm not going to tell you. I can. <laughs> it's probably going to put you in big trouble if you did anyway. Well, the other councils go. Well, you like this one rather than me, so go away. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely some which are more. I'll answer it this way. Yeah. And I'll, I'll talk in generalities. Yeah. All right. Uh, the councils that have wealthier individuals as a population base, okay. I, I, I call it my QC quotient, okay. quotient right? <laughs> the more QCs per square kilometre, yeah. the more difficult the council. Okay. All right? Yep, that makes sense. Yeah. And why is that? Because uh, the planning scheme set up for third-party objectors. Yes. All right? So not only does your neighbour get a right to object, who is is essentially a second party, i.e. they have a direct impact, your development. Anybody can object. Yeah. So if, for instance, you know, QC lives three streets away. Yes. But his mate lives next door to your development. Yes. He's going to have a bit of a whinge as well. Yeah. say, no, I don't want you to be developing next to my friend. That's right. And I would say QCs because, number one, they know legalese. Yeah. And number two, they got a lot of money, mm. right? And so they can afford, if it go, comes to that, to represent themselves at VCAP. Yeah. Now, how does that impact on approvals? Mm. Okay. It means there's a culture of extreme caution when it comes to, within the council, mm. when it comes to approving developments. Yeah. Right? Because I've, there's one council I can think of that I know for a fact that the, the last, kind okay, of certainly five years ago, mm. the previous four heads of statutory planning, i.e. the Department of Planning that approves developments, mm. had all gone from this council to a rural council. They on, essentially on stress leave, I think, <laughs> because of the amount of headaches headaches that's caused mm. by people objecting and all of that and having to spend time with VCAT or send their mm. stuff to VCAT. Um so they went on a rural sabbatical too. Exactly. No, but I'm not just talking the last one. I'm talking like the last four, man. That's <laughs> hilarious. It is hilarious, right? I'm serious. Yeah, I know you They are. end up in Ballarat. They end up in Queenscliff. They yeah. end up – one of them ended up in um, oh, like in the like Nil, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Like full on – Because he got into rock belt. climbing and there's I think there's rock climbing out there oh, okay. somewhere. Oh, yeah. well, there's rocks to climb. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a tough job. Yeah, I can It imagine. is a tough job. So. <laughs> this is why I say get to know your planner. Yeah. Right? Different. There are some councils where, like, the council council planners actually have 
um, reputations. Oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah, for being like so. There's a planner. I can again. I won't name names, but you go if you you're having a conversation and someone says, "Oh, who's, who have you got assessing your application?" Right in this council, and you say, "Oh, person X," and I go, "Oh my god, yeah, you're in trouble." You man. know, you know, with the eye roll, don't you? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you go, "Oh, you should have." You know, I bet you wish you got X in that council yeah. and not Y in that council. Yeah. So, it, and it comes, the last thing I'll say on it is in every industry, as you know, mm. um, service is key, man. Mm. So I I used to be a planner at Port Adelaide Council. Yeah. And my boss, one of my very first jobs as a planner, my boss there, a guy called Dennis Chung, he, he was all about service. Mm. So a typical response to a, to like, let's say you're showing a council a plan, yeah, right, and they'll say, oh, "I don't like that. I don't like this." And you, you go, "How would you do it?" Mm. Now, I'd say eighty percent of the time they'll go, "Well, it's not up to us to design it for you," yeah, which drives me nuts, yeah, because right? they're saying they're saying you can't do it. We know what we want you to do, yeah. but we can't tell you what to do. We can use sort of woolly language around it, yeah. right? Whereas Dennis Chong taught me, because it's all about getting Dennis. stuff done, tell them. Yeah. Okay, you want it to look like this, show them. Yeah. And, and that's all, it's, it's that, easy. That's what it, it is, man. And not just that, but the process. Yeah. Right? There are choices they can make that I think can make life a bit easier for everybody. Yeah. yeah. But some people get a bee in their bottle, they're having a bad day, and they just want everyone else to feel it. But it's it. also cultural, too. I don't disagree they get a bee in that, but it's cultural. I think. Mm. I think, and that, that the Dennis Chong Port Adelaide example illustrates it. Yeah, you can develop a culture within any organisation of service or not. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, I also believe that some councils are a bit more precious on the trees, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, and you, you can actually there are so within the planning scheme, an initial assessment of any site will identify whether or not it's got. We'll always have a zone, yeah. right? So the zone will be, I don't know, general residential zone, yes. something like that. Um, and then another controlling layer, we call it that, yes. are overlays. Yeah. Right? So typically councils out east will have landscape overlays or significant landscape yeah. overlays, right? So the more landscape overlays, mm. the more precious yeah. the, um, and, uh, the, the precious council. the council will be. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. How can the design help get the development approved? Obviously, we, we've, we have we have sort of talked about that in a way that um, you know you need to be sympathetic to the streetscape or mm. what the council wants. Mm. So don't do something a bit outrageous <laughs> yeah. in when you've got a period streetscape, for instance. Correct. That's not going to help. Yeah. Yeah. More than often than not, no. Yeah, you've got to keep the like. I've seen, you know, going back to Bentley, you know, you've got low rows of California bungalows and then obviously one just was too far gone to keep it mm. active and then they've demolished it but then they've put a 90s build yeah. California bungalow style yes. home to keep the streetscape looking the same. Yes. So there's two there's two things I'd say about that. One is yeah. that you touch on it, the character yes. side of things. So... It is true to say that the more in line with the built form, mm. and built form, I've written a lot of character studies for different councils, and yeah. built form character really comes down to some fairly fundamental things like the shape of the windows, yeah. right, the, what they call the fenestration. So how's, how does that building, how are all the other buildings, how are their windows sitting within the front of the yeah. building, right? Roof pitch, colours and materials, yeah. right? Um Setback, yeah, right. Where it becomes a bit more debatable, and a lot of councils use this, especially if they want to review refuse something, mm. is and uh, they'll, they'll talk about the uh, character of the backyards, i.e., the amount of space in the backyards. Oh, okay. Now, that's to me something which it's personal. Well, not just that, but you can only see it from the air, mm. right? So I, I was literally having this conversation with a council planner the other day. It's okay. like, well. You're calling up character as it relates to the size of the backyard, yeah. but character's what you, in my view, what you see from the street. Yes. All right. So there's, so yes, 
try and keep the character uniform. Yes. Now, East St Kilda, mm. no, West St Kilda, West St Kilda, if you actually look behind the plane trees which dominate those streets, the character's very mixed. Yes. Right? So sometimes you will be in an area where there is a mixed character. Mm. So that gives you a little bit more freedom in terms of design. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. there are examples where you don't necessarily need to keep it yeah. uniform. Mm. Okay. The other thing to check out there is just to make sure or have a look at whether or not there is actually a character study done mm. and whether or not that character study, which will define different areas of character, yeah. i.e. precincts of different and defined character, yeah. uh, is has been identified, if they've mm. been there. And then secondly, whether or not that character study in some form is incorporated into the planning scheme. Mm. This is an example where sometimes councils have something in the in the bottom drawer which they'll pull out of and it won't necessarily be officially yeah. it's just, uh, uh, it's implementable. Just oh, okay. Right, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. But they'll use it to try and refuse things. That's pretty rare, but it does yeah. happen. It does happen, right? Yeah. The other thing about built form, to answer the question about how can built form help you get an approval, mm. certainly our business has not just planners but urban designers in it. Mm. Okay, So a lot of the time the problems that council planners have with applications is to do with the form of the building. Yeah. So... If your planner has a little bit of that sort of knowledge as well where they can recommend to the designer yeah. some changes that will ease or help the approval, such yeah. as the example I used about the upper level being recessed a little yes. bit, yeah. little things like that can help smooth the way. Yeah, and you want to smooth it. Well, you do. Yeah. Yeah. How can we negotiate to get our development approved? Like are there any negotiation things that we can do or we really cover that no i think i think there definitely are yeah um i would argue get good at negotiation that sounds like a very circular (laughs) but i but you know i think i i think it's useful sometimes Mm. even at the pre-application stage to go in with on more complex developments Mm. more than you want yeah right so more height than you want maybe, if it's a multi-level development, so that when they do, say, say bring it down, you're comfortable with it. Yeah. So that's a negotiation tactic, right? Just don't start building it and then they go, ah, excuse me, I did hear of one of those in South Yarra where they started building it and they were, I don't know, just 30 centimetres, 50 centimetres or something above what they were given the approval to do. Yeah, right. And then they got told to... Knock it down. Knock it down. Bring it down. Mm. just, um, I suppose this is a this may be a negotiation thing, but again, making sure that you are uh, keeping communication open, understanding what the next step is as far as council is concerned, yeah. um, and and being helpful to them so that when you want them to, they'll be helpful to you. Yeah, right? because you want them to be your friend. They want them to be your friend. Yeah, nice. Now. Where do we find great collaborators and JV partners to help our development along? Good question. Um, well, like I said, we're developing a whole list of collaborators. Yeah. So go to Smart Planning and go Design. Go to Smart Planning and Design. Yeah. That's the answer. That's no, the answer. That's, that's, that's the best I, answer. Well, I, uh, where do you find them? I, I mean, this will sound uh, – some people aren't, wouldn't be interested in this, but talk to people. Yeah. So – you know, think about – use the fab as your framing mm. um, piece. Yeah. I, 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 if I'm going to be a developer, who will I need to know? Yeah. And just – especially if you – what was he? Pete? Was it Pete? Pete, yeah. Pete, Pete, Pete We're talking about Pete. Yeah. yeah. So Pete, um, Pete starts talking to his mates. Yeah. Pete, Pete will have been working on building sites. Yeah. Where there ultimately was a was – a, boss yeah. and a client and just start asking, oh, who was the boss? Who, yeah. who was providing the money? Yeah. Also, we talked about it very early on, but there are coaches out there. Mm. Those coaches are actually, those coaching companies actually have people that are JV partners. Mm. So there are people involved in 
those coaching organizations that are simply there to provide money for deals. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah, you just cool. talk to people. Now, with the price of materials and labor soaring at the moment, you know, what sort of added percentage should we be adding to the price of the development? Yeah. Then we would, is it like asking how long a piece of string is? Well, I've heard, and now this is not within my wheelhouse. So, yeah. Okay. You know, so if I can caveat my answer. Yeah. The rumor is. <laughs> well, I, no, the rumor is I've heard 30 to 40%. Yeah, it's insane, isn't it? Mm. Mm. So, yeah. um, so, you know, even though you've inherited some money, good old pay. Well, it actually, you know? the rubber hit the road with a client the other day where we had a meeting about. Um, Costs? No, I had a meeting with council about oh. because, long story short, they'd essentially given an approval for something and then at the last minute decided to take it back oh. after a year and a half of negotiation. How dare they? Yeah. Um, the, the, it had a very real impact because the original time frame, which all of the, 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 do, the dollars of the deal was um, oh. calculated on, had, had blown out. Yeah. And in the meantime, costs had gone up 30 40%, which means the development might no longer be viable. Mm. Right. So I said before, it's a very serious issue about how things are managed within councils because yeah. it can mean the, the make, uh, or uh, make or break it. Mm. And, you know, I, this is where my, you know, my love of the ecosystem comes into it. Yeah. That means the carpenter, Pete doesn't get a job as a carpenter. Yeah. Right? That, that project falls over, man. Mm. Now, Sure, you could argue, well, council has the right to, at the end of the day, not approve something, mm. but um, if it doesn't comply, but we'd, in good faith, entered into negotiations yeah. and kept the project moving and moved walls here and there yeah. as per the council plan of yeah. suggestions. And in the day, you've cost, you've cost a couple of people's jobs or maybe more. Yeah, and I feel bad too for charging for it to go yeah. to the meetings and stuff, but yeah. you've got to, right? Yeah, so, it's part of the process. Mm. If you do negotiate something yeah. and you do get an agreement, get it in writing. Okay. So even if you – so you, let's say you've agreed five things at a meeting. Yeah. If council aren't going to s- send those five things to you in writing, yeah. you send them to – and send those five things to them in writing and say, did I hear you correctly? This is what you told us. Ah, good, right? good point. Really yeah. good point, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, because yeah, it is. It's because, because people people trust that what people say yeah. is what they mean, and it's, it's another handshake deal. No, nah, in writing deal, in writing deal, man. Mm. Get it in writing. Sounds good. Anyway, thank you so much, David, for coming onto our podcast today. Um, you've been really informative, and I think Pete needs to come see you and put and be put on the right track, doesn't he? He does. But, mm. So in I, feel saying, as, I feel as though I know Pete already. You probably don't. Yeah. Mm. Mm. You've probably seen plenty of Pete's all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so now how can budding developers or even established developers get in contact with you if they want to use your service? They can call me on 0438 459 559 yeah. or email me at david k at Yeah. dot com. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, and we will have all your details on our show notes and through our social media. Thank you. Um, now, thanks again, Dave. It's been great having you on. So next week we have Evan Davis back on to talk to us about bank approvals and pre-approvals. With it becoming harder and harder to get finance, it's a great episode to ensure you know exactly what the means are behind the terms and how much time you have to purchase. So don't miss it. Real Estate Right is produced by Real Copyright, one of Melbourne's leading real estate copywriting companies, and is written, hosted, and produced by me, Sue Langada, with the support of my production and social media assistant, Lisa Fisher. All information given on this podcast is a guide only and delivered to help you understand the intricacies that can happen in real estate. We recommend that you get professional advice that is designed for your own personal circumstances. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting this podcast, Premium Beat for their music, Francis Morello for his voiceover, and Zoom for the recording. 
If you have a real estate story that is inspiring or a great how-to tip, please contact Lisa on 5977-889 to find out how you can be a guest on Real Estate Right in 2022. If you would like to know more about our copywriting services, please email Lisa at orders at realcopyright.com.au. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Right. It's where buyers, sellers, renters and investors get their real estate right.